0: Hey, short-term shoppers. Welcome back to the short-term show. Today we have Ethan McCarty, a self-proclaimed average Joe. And according to him, if he can do it, anyone can. I happen to agree. And I'm really interested to hear Ethan's story today. So Ethan, how are you doing?
1: I am doing great, Avery. Thank you for having me. This is awesome.
0: (laughs) Thanks for coming.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's start there.
1: Yeah, so I'll I'll talk a little bit about myself and it's really not just a me story. Uh, my wife Brooklyn is heavily involved in this story and and unfortunately she couldn't be here today, but Brooklyn and I have been married for 9 years and um, we were both raised in in southern Ohio and with the mindset that you go to school, you get a good job and and you work until retirement. And both of us are in healthcare, we did that, right? We both went to school, got a good job. Um but I've always thought a little differently. When Brooklyn and I got married, I I've always been on the mindset that money is the one thing that can buy your time. And I like that. And Brooklyn has always been, or was always uh, in the mindset of that we should save our money and um, have some money in the bank account and uh, just work to retirement. And for the first five years of our marriage, we, I spent a lot of time talking about real estate. I had an hour drive to work. I listened to Bigger Pockets every day, a lot. And, um, I talked about it nonstop and, and and she did really well to, to listen to me. And at, at points in time, she stopped and said, listen, you gotta, you gotta take a break from talking about it for a couple of weeks. So I would do that. And so <laughs> Brooklyn told me I had to stop talking about it, but we spent the first five years of our life just doing that. I would talk about it. She would listen and, um, and nothing ever happened. And then finally, uh, what happened was a trailer popped up for sale in West Union here. It was $12,000, an absolute, absolute steal. It needed floor, needed painting and it could be rented for about $500 a month. And so my mindset finally shifted. and one, this was a low, a low investment. So I thought I could, uh, show it to her and and get her on board, but I wrote it out and I just showed her the numbers and I said, here's what it's going to look like. And and it, it worked and she was on board and she said, let's buy it and see what happens. So we bought it and, uh, so that, that got her fever going a little bit because we actually bought another little place for $40,000 here in town and we got both of them ready and we're getting ready to rent them. We were showing people and, uh, it, it, timing is everything. But at that moment, after three and a half years of trying to get pregnant, we find out we're pregnant and, uh, we were so excited, so excited. But, uh, I, I know you probably know who Dave Ramsey is. I'm sure everybody does, but if you mm-hmm. listen to him, he talks about some people having a security gland and, when Brooklyn found out she was pregnant or we were pregnant, like that security gland tightened quickly. And, uh, we actually ended up selling those. Uh, we didn't even get a renter in there. We just sold them broke even and, uh, spent the uh, next three and a half years. uh, We knew we had our daughter, but we went really, really intense Dave Ramsey and got completely out of debt. Um, everything, but our mortgage, we actually sold our house that we lived in a little house and we actually built a bigger house. And that was still the only debt that we had. And so that, that was, that was a fun time in our life. And we, we really enjoyed that. And we had our daughter, but the whole time in the back of my mind, Dave Ramsey's whole thing is you work until 55 or 60 and then you retire. And I'm just, I'm not okay with that. I, I don't want to be okay with that. And, uh, at that time on the bigger pockets forum, uh, reading through a short-term rental, uh, the vacation one, see Avery Carl and Luke Carl posting a bunch of stuff about the Smokies. Um, Brooklyn and I live about five hours north of the Smokies vacation there all our life. Um, went on our honeymoon there and it, one of your posts and maybe multiple of your posts, but one that I remember was a one bedroom cabin. will, will, will should gross 25 to 35 uh, and a two bedroom, 35 to 45 and a three bedroom, I think 45 to 55. And, uh, you can get a 10% down vacation loan. And, um, I was like, man, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And it's really big numbers and that's exciting. Right. And I wrote this all out and and, and showed it to Brooklyn and uh, she was on board. She was, she was cool with it. And I think for a couple of reasons, one, it is a big number, which I mean, that, that was replacing her income at the time. If, if we could gross that, I mean, we wouldn't net all that, but we could gross it. And number two, like if you own an Airbnb, uh, that that's cool, right? You, that's exciting stuff. And uh, so I, I got with you, you got me uh, Parker's information, got approved for a um, 10% down vacation loan. And then called you, and I think it was only our second cabin. We we got it for 225 back then. Uh, how times have changed, but that, that's kind of the start of our story, and and to where we got to now. Since then, we bought a cabin next to us, and we actually regretfully sold our first cabin. And but we bought this beautiful place down in uh, Gulf Shores, the Fort Morgan area. You can see the ocean on one side, bay on the other, and and it's our first year doing that, so we're really excited about that. But yeah, that's the uh, that's the backstory there. Brooklyn and I are both uh, healthily addicted to Airbnb booking notifications.
0: (laughs) Healthily addicted, not unhealthily. Yes. So that's funny that you said you had an hour-long commute to work and you used that time to listen to podcasts and stuff. And I, so when I had a corporate job, I had three separate corporate jobs and none of them allowed work from home. One of them allowed it one day a week. And I always thought, man, this is so Antiquitous that we have to go into this office every day, and then I don't actually interact with anyone in my office the whole time I'm sitting here. I could totally do this from home because we're not talking to each other face to face. And it kind of seems like, especially now, that companies that were really, really hardcore about no flex time or no remote work have kind of almost that was their own downfall is they're forcing us to commute in every day and we're using that time to listen to podcasts about how to get out of that job and a lot of us have been successful doing that because we listen to podcasts and or audiobooks about how to do it which if I'd worked from home all that time I probably never would have listened to as many podcasts as I did because I'm just like you know making breakfast and then sitting on the couch and working or sitting down at my desk and working and I probably wouldn't have listened to all that. But when you're in the car, you got nothing else to do but binge podcasts. So,
1: Yep. I I still drive an hour and still do that. But it's basically, and and now with all the resources that you have, it's it's a time for free education. Uh, I'm getting a real estate degree driving back and forth to work. So uh, I look forward to that time.
0: Well, let's talk about your hardcore Dave Ramsey years because I had a couple years of that myself. Like, I think I started listening to Dave Ramsey when I was maybe like 19 and bartending at the County Line barbecue restaurant in uh, Austin. And I came from a family that was very, very Dave Ramsey. Like, my dad, I remember him listening to Dave Ramsey driving me to school. And so I just always thought that was the right and only way. And it was a real, shift uh when I realized like oh not all debt is necessarily bad debt but tell me about your Dave Ramsey years what were your budgeting uh parameters
1: yeah so we used every dollar and um our goal was to kind of just save around a thousand dollars a month to see if that was achievable uh but you know our first our first and foremost goal was just to start paying snowballing the debt and 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 working our way down that and I I obviously it's not working towards my long-term goal of being able to retire early but i don't regret those years for a second um brooklyn and i before that didn't really understand finances yeah so brooklyn had her first her first year working um we were living just on my salary and her first year working um we have no idea where that salary went uh it was like it was she grossed forty thousand dollars and it was just gone our lifestyle creep was unbelievable and so hitting a reset button and really understanding how your finances work and um being able to save money i think is very important for any investor to have that that at least as a base before they start investing and you know when it comes to short-term rentals um Specifically, you spend money on on you've got different expenses, right? You got your utilities, electric. You've got all your um, supplies that you need. So, being able to understand a budget for that, uh, it it really helped accelerate our growth. I think into the into the short term world.
0: I one hundred percent agree with that, and I think that's a really good point to make, especially because so many people, especially now. Uh, now that there's a lot of education on how to invest in short-term rentals out there in the universe, lots well, of great education. There are lots of really smart people out there with YouTube channels and courses and things like that to help you, uh, help you learn and grow. But it's really important to have that the breaks, you know, the the emergency break that, or just the voice in the back of your mind that's telling you you want to have a little bit, like you want to have a cushion. I think a lot of people get really, really excited and they start getting that momentum going and they over-leverage themselves. So Mm -hmm. rather than just getting, you know, just getting a an investment loan and doing this and saving up for another investment loan and doing that, there and I don't want to, there's really a fine line. Like if you've got a lot of equity in something and you can tap that to grow your portfolio, I think by all means you should. But I also think that you have to know when to pump the brakes and you have to have a cushion of some sort or a, uh, what does Dave call it? A-
1: Emergency fund. Emergency
0: fund, yes. uh, Emergency fund. So I'm by no no means saying like everyone should go listen to Dave Ramsey because I disagree with most of what he says, but it is good to have that little voice in the back of your head saying, don't over leverage yourself because I do see some investors who will, they get this house of cards built up. So they'll pull equity out of one thing to go buy another thing. Then they pull that equity out to buy something else. And then they have this whole house of cards built where if one thing goes Mm -hmm. sideways, then the whole house is coming down. So I think that's really, really smart. I by no means agree with everything that Dave Ramsey says, but it's good to, to have that voice that says like, Hey, let's not go too crazy. Let's make sure we're still, we're growing at a good pace, but we're still staying within our means. I think that's a, that's a really good takeaway.
1: Yeah, we were, it's worked for us. Right. And of course, Dave thinks pretty differently than I, we think now, but yeah, having that emergency fund in place, being able to budget all, all important and good things to know, regardless of what you're doing in life. So.
0: Totally. So let's talk about your, so you've got one long-term rental, two short-term rentals and a flip. Uh, so you started with long-term and then switched to short-term. What made you decide to do a flip?
1: Uh, well, it, it's a little house here in town and I knew the owner and I knew it wouldn't be very much money. And, um, so it, Brooke, it, that intrigues Brooklyn too, you know, being able to do the, the chip and Joe thing. So we thought we'd give it a try. Uh, it's not my favorite thing that we've done, uh, but it, it's been an enjoyable experience. We've learned a lot. It's a, it's about to, uh, hopefully get finished up and sold and, sold. And then we're actually going to look to buy another short-term rental uh, somewhere. But yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting experience. Mostly just it, it was just the, the the cards fell in the right place at the right time, and so we we took a shot at it and I have learned a lot doing it.
0: What are the numbers looking like on that? Do you think? I know you haven't sold it yet, so it's hard to say. But what yeah. are you shooting for?
1: Yeah, so hopefully around twenty thousand is what we're going to see at the end of it. Um, it we we like it. I mean, it's been a fun experience, and making money is always good. What I what I don't love about it is, uh, with short term specifically, uh, in that same time period, we probably could have got that many in bookings and somewhere, and still had the property uh, under under you know our control and and running it. So I don't know. It was an experience. It we we made some money and we learned a lot doing it.
0: I've never done a full flip, but I agree with you. I I hate selling a property. I hate it, and uh, I've never regretted buying one. The thing about flipping is like, yeah, you can make a lot of money, but you're letting go of the property. So you can only do it once. It's not ongoing. You have to go find another one.
1: Yeah. No. Speaking of, uh, this is a change of subject a little bit, but we had our first cabin and talking about regret selling, we sold it. And I don't know why we didn't cash out refinances. Just you you see those big numbers and you think, oh my goodness, uh, this is all new for Brooklyn and I, And, and we sold our first cabin, made a lot of money doing it, but we regret selling that thing every day. Um, so yeah, I I definitely agree with you uh on on holding, but this little property not a short term, not what we're kind of focused on so we're going to we're going to we're going to sell it and hopefully reinvest it into something short term.
0: Any idea where that might be or you don't want to say yet?
1: No, no, no. I'm 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 looking anywhere in this a small plug where the short term shop is, but I like working in Gulf Shores um, Mm -hmm. at a condo probably with what we're looking for. I've been looking in Orlando uh, a good bit, but um, we actually placed a couple offers in Orlando and just got outbid. So, yeah, either probably Orlando or Gulf Shores.
0: I love condos. Like I've found a renewed interest in condos over the course of the past few months just because I'm keeping an eye on all the different markets that we work in and seeing what things are going for. Uh, like you can't get in, we'll say Destin, for example, you can't get a three-bedroom house for under a million, but you can get a three-bedroom condo for 700 that's right on the Gulf. And I think people get really hung up about assessments with condos. But when you think about it, a condo assessment is really just the equivalent to the CapEx and the maintenance you would be doing on a single family home on an ongoing basis, you know, monthly, whereas condos you're just you're not doing it monthly, mm-hmm. you're just putting it in a pool with everyone else's capex money once every few years. So, it's not that scary and then people also I think newer investors and I'm guilty of this. I was under contract on a condo when we first started like 2016 maybe, under contract on a condo, got halfway through, realized it was non-warrantable and that we couldn't conventionally finance it. And we thought that meant, oh, well, I guess everybody who has ever bought a condo pays cash. That's not true. That was a total newbie mistake, obviously, because there are other types of financing besides conventional. You can get commercial or portfolio. But that's a mistake that a lot of people who aren't, you know, not everybody buying a condo at the beach is a real estate investor or they might be planning to Airbnb it, but they might not be experienced. They might not know that just because like Wells Fargo can't finance it doing a conventional loan doesn't mean you can't go get financing some other way. So I think that there's some opportunity with condos as far as buyers are concerned in any market because a lot of investors will pass them over because they think they can't get financing.
1: Yep, and and it's all a different concept if you think about it. I mean if you look at it and just look at the HOAs, right? Immediately you think about how high that is, but all that it includes Uh, it really isn't, isn't anything more than you're paying at your other property. So it's something Brooklyn's actually all on, on board for a condo. And I've been the one that's been a little hesitant, but I think, uh, I think our next one will, especially if we're in Gulf Shores will definitely be a condo. So.
0: Awesome. I think that's a great way to go. So what made you decide to go? So your first one's in the Smokies. What made you choose Gulf Shores?
1: Well, uh, when we sold, we had uh, obviously a, a nice lump sum, sum of money that we 1031 exchanged into something. And uh, go, we felt like Gulf Shores, one's a beach market, which we haven't been in. But more importantly, the the entry numbers for where we were down in Fort Morgan were, were really reasonable. And so we thought we'd just get more bang for a buck down there. Um it, we bought in the off season. So that's something to think about if you're buying a property in, in the, in the beach markets that you you do have an off season, you have to cover those funds if you're not bringing in any money. But, um, the fact that it was a good buy in price, it looked, it was a duplex. So we bought, it's got two doors, two sides to it. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's a third row. So it was just a really nice property and it worked out. It worked out really well.
0: That's awesome. So you technically have two units then.
1: That is true. Yes. Yeah. We have, we have two sides there at the, uh, Down on Gulf Shores.
0: So, are you? And I know you haven't been through a high season yet, but are you planning to ever rent those as like one booking or just each separately? Because I know some people that have multiple units in one uh, dwelling, they'll have different listings where you can rent them separately or together. What do you plan to do?
1: Yeah. uh, So we talked about this, and I was kind of pro renting it out all together and and having it as a parent child kind of thing. If one books, don't book the other, but uh i think brooklyn's thought process is that if you do have that and you have the same family and different sides they might move things back and forth and that that just becomes a more of a problem for the next guest and so right now we're just going to stick with written uh, out each side by themselves and uh, if, if somebody wants to rent them both they would they would have to rent out both sides i mean we're not gonna we're not gonna offer that you know so
0: gotcha so how many bedrooms is each side
1: two one each side's a two bedroom one bath
0: Okay, that's awesome. That's yeah. really cool.
1: Yeah, we're we're really excited about it. it March has been, uh, you know, the first time that we got some bookings since uh, uh, the holidays. But it's it's been a good March, and we're looking forward to what the rest of the uh, summer holds.
0: Yeah, tourism season is definitely here. Walking around Destin, so like the first, it was warm for the first time this weekend, where you could actually go to the beach or go to the pool, and I noticed that. I am now being surrounded by all of the hot 20 year old girls with six packs, making me look like a complete <laughs> whale next to everyone. So I'm like, oh, great. Cool. I'm looking forward to the rest of the summer, guys. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Spring break it,
0: is here. <laughs> yep,
1: yeah, yeah. It's spring spring break week. So, yeah. But no, it's uh, we're looking forward to it. You can see the ocean from one side and then, uh, you know, we're out on Fort Morgan. So you can see the bay from the other side. And it's we really, really like that. Uh, the property and the location of it.
0: I love Fort Morgan. It's much quieter down there mm-hmm. and it's not far from, it's not a far drive from anything. So you get the best of both worlds.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Awesome. So let's talk about your income on your Smokies property. So can't talk about income on Gulf Shores just yet, but how big is the property that you have now? I remember your first one was small, but yep. what about
1: the first one was small. Second one's also small. It's actually a uh, studio cabin, one bath. Um, Interesting story on buying that one. I actually wrote a letter to the guy uh, when we bought our cabin, and uh, just told him I would pay. We we paid two twenty five, and I told him I'd pay two sixty. Like three four months later, maybe. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm out in the yard, and the, the caller ID on my phone popped up, and it was the location that guy was from. I can't remember exactly where it was, but I I just talked to myself, said, "There's no way this is this guy." Sure enough, I answered, and he said, uh, "It's Mr. Jackson, and uh, got your letter, and if you're still wanting to buy it, I'll sell it to you." And I said, "Yeah, uh, we're we're interested." So I actually immediately got off the phone. Told him I was going to have uh, I was working with one of your agents, Julie. But I had I gave gave his information to Julie, and uh, Julie did all the paperwork. And I I paid Julie through. We just increased the price of it, and was able to pay Julie through that. And it worked out. It was awesome. It was a cool story.
0: That is a cool story. I love when stuff like that works out. Yeah. Um, I had, so I bought a place in Mississippi in the same neighborhood as my parents. They like live on a lake and uh, that way we have our own space that our kids can tear up and not tear up my parents' house. And uh, we were actually under contract on it about four years ago and we pulled out because we just got scared. We were like, well, we're not going to be renting this. So I just don't feel good about having something, having a house that's not making money. And then uh, it sold to somebody else. And last year, we were driving around. We were looking, we we're like, man, we really should have bought that thing. We absolutely should have bought it. And so, I, to everybody in Starkville, Mississippi knows everybody else. And so, I figured out who owned it, called them and said, hey, uh, I actually saw this property. I didn't tell them I'd felt fallen out of contract on it because I didn't want to seem like a flake. I said, hey, uh, I've been inside this property before. Last time it was for sale. The timing didn't work, but if you want to sell it now, I'll buy it from you. And he said, yeah, he said, I'll I'll sell it to you. And I've got away with only about 30, maybe a little less, maybe $25,000 more than what I was under contract for, which by the time you finance, it's not that much. So
1: yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I love those
0: stories where something works out like that.
1: Yeah, it worked out really well. It's a cool story. And we we love having it now. We actually bought it with my uh, sister and my brother-in-law. We all four own it. Brooklyn and I run run it. Um, they're just really money, you know, investor, passive investments uh, for them. But I uh, just look back at the last 12 rolling months. We, we just grow 60,000. Um, I think we are going to net. Um, Close to 60, 65 percent. We have put um, we had to put a new HVAC unit in it, and had to redo the back deck. So we've certainly spent some money on it. But it's been it's it's awesome. It's a mile away from the island, which is we love being in Pigeon Forge and uh, we're in a little cabin community. But um, it doesn't have any views, doesn't have steep roads. It's just there. It's a cabin and it does what it needs to do.
0: So sixty thousand on a studio—that's pretty yep. good.
1: Yeah, I was really—I hadn't looked in a while. So this morning when I looked, I was really, really, uh, really pleased with uh, the sixty thousand number. Yeah, you—I yeah. I don't think you ever would expect that when we bought it, you know. But here we are.
0: Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen? I know a lot of people are worried about twenty twenty one was an anomaly year, and it is. It was. What do you think, what are you seeing so far in terms of bookings so far in 2022 versus 2021? Are you seeing about the same? Has it dropped off any? It's hard to say because it's not quite the high season. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's a little early to say. I mean, our our January and February was a little lower than last year. We also had the HVAC go out, so we were down for two weeks uh, trying to get it replaced, um, but – I I think it depends on your property, your location. But for me specifically, we're we're a zero bedroom or, you know, a studio. Anybody can vacation at any time. We're close to the parkway, so people don't have a long drive. So that's what I'm kind of, I'm thinking for me personally, that I'm in a good spot. And of course, our purchase price that we bought in at is a good number. So uh, even if it drops a little bit, uh, for me, we'll be be good.
0: Gotcha. And you always want to be conservative when you're analyzing a deal anyway, so that, if rents do drop some or, um, yeah, if gross income drops a little bit, you are able to, to, uh, to keep, keep going. So I think that's really smart. Um, I guess we're to the end of our, of our interview and I have three more questions that I ask everyone. The first question is what advice would you give 20 year old Ethan?
1: All right. So 20 year old Ethan, I give this advice still to 31 year old Ethan, but, um, you're in your own chapter of your life and other people are in other chapters of their life. And it's easy to get caught up and see what other people are doing and how quickly they're doing it. And, uh, you know, get disappointed in yourself for where you're at, or maybe a little envious, but ultimately you're in your own story and you should focus on your story, learn from what they're doing. Um, but, but, but you do what you need to do and, uh, you'll be good to go in the long run. So just, just, Focus on where you're at and and not where other people are.
0: That is really good advice. Pay attention to yourself. You're only competing against yourself. You're not competing against other people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to do, right? I mean, especially now, everybody's buying short-term rentals and everybody's doing it really quickly. And, uh, it, 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 it's happening so fast, but yeah, just focus on what you can do and, and do it, you know?
0: Exactly. All right. Question number two, what advice would you give a new investor who's getting started today?
1: Yeah, new investor, two things. I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit. Number one is if you're not if you not good with finances, learn a little bit about your finances before you start to invest. Um, get a base knowledge. It doesn't have to be in detail, uh, but know, know a, understand a budget and understand how that works. And number two, when it comes to investing specifically, um, I like to say control C, control V and, and copy and paste what others are doing uh, to some extent. Right. Like, uh, of course, I'm in a bunch of short term groups. A couple of them are, are your groups. And I try to take in as much as I can. I try to learn from from smart things other people are doing. That's why I say that I'm just an average guy uh, succeeding at this because I'm, I'm learning what other people are doing and, and implementing that and learning from other people's mistakes. And hopefully people can do that with me, too. Right. Take the good of what I'm doing and, and take the. Uh, learn from what I've done wrong. And, uh, so, so yeah, but when you gotta be careful when you say copy and paste everything, because that's, that's not what I'm saying, but copy the good, learn from the bad and, uh, you'll, you'll find success. Great
0: advice. And last question, what is your favorite book that has impacted your mindset?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm going to say relentless by Tim Grover. And I, I just am a huge sports fan and uh, it's all about Michael Jordan and his work ethic and uh, how he got to the top. And, and, and the, the author there, he kind of has the same work ethic. And just if, if you put the work in, you, you know, if people who work are, are quote unquote lucky, but it's not lucky because they're lucky. It's lucky because they put the work in to get to where they're at. So uh, it's really helped uh, motivate me and, and stay focused and, and getting stuff done.
0: That's a good one. What was that again? Can you say it again?
1: Relentless by Tim Grover.
0: Relentless. I'm going to go get that. I have not heard of that one.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a, it, I listened to it on audio. It's a good audio. So. Awesome.
0: I'm going to yeah. go grab that. Awesome. Well, Ethan, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would like for our audience audience to know?
1: No, I think uh, hopefully you learned something and, and you can reach out to me anytime. You can find me on Instagram. It's Ethan T. McCarty. I'm very active on Facebook. Um, you can find me there, but just reach out if you have any questions. Happy to always talk real estate and uh, learn and, and share from others.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Ethan, so much for coming on and we'll catch you next time.
1: All right. Thank you, Avery.